Welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth. And I wish we could break into today's show with some awesome news about a bunch of Patriots signings or a big splash free agent edition. But we are still sitting here on Thursday, uh, just after five o'clock on the 17th, the second official day of the league year, Alex, waiting for any sort of roster lock a player that we can get excited about i tried to pull up some time montgomery tape it really didn't jazz me up all that much and we'll get to him in a second here but i think the biggest thing that's on everybody's mind right now is what the heck is going on with this team why such the major reluctance to spend any sort of significant cash on anybody in free agency so far and i think the biggest question that i have is not necessarily why. Why are the Patriots not spending? I think the biggest thing that I am concerned about is now that Tom Brady is no longer here, can they use this model and this approach to be a Super Bowl contender? Because this isn't that far astray from what they've done in the past. Yes, they've had some of their big splash signings like Stephon Gilmore or I don't want to mention or bring up bad things, but Adalis Thomas comes to mind. Rodney Harrison, the beginning part of the dynasty. You thought but, of Adalis Thomas before you thought of Rodney Harrison? No, I'm just going in order. But I think the biggest thing is, is this now still a winnable formula without Tom Brady? There's still some good players out there that the Patriots would go and get. There's some guys that have been released recently, Fletcher Cox, Lyle Collins, Logan Ryan, even Trey Flowers. But are those the types of players and are those the types of moves that are ultimately going to get this team closer to a Super Bowl? Because right now it feels like it, we are much further away from where they were when before free agency started and they don't seem at all interested in spending money and investing into this roster right now to make a real splash. Yeah. uh, First off, you're not wearing green on St. Patrick's day. So you suck. Second of all, I I think this year does feel different. I think it look, they've been, they've taken a backseat during free agency before, right? Nobody's going to deny that last year was ultimately the anomaly, but how many times did we get to Thursday of free agency week? Right. And they hadn't signed a roster lock. Like I, for what it is, I think the Ty Montgomery signing is a good signing, right? Yeah. I, Four million dollars for a guy who's going to f- give you depth all over the field. That's great. That's an excellent signing. When that's the signing, it's a little more concerning, right? How many times have we gotten a Thursday and they haven't signed a guy who's a roster lock? And it's not just that. It's it's they're moving backwards, right? It's you you trade away Shaq Mason, which they didn't need to do. Like that's the big one for me. If if right. you flip. If you just get rid of the Shaq Mason trade, all right, they lost J.C. Jackson, spending on the fringes. This is what they do. This is, right, it's the Shaq Mason trade for me that feels so out of context. That's the one that I can't get over. That's the one that worries me. Besides that, yeah, it's pretty typical. They're a little slower than usual, but it it does feel like at this point, and I've said this all week, and I'll say it again, this is a long, long process. We are three days into four days into a three-month process. But to this point, it does feel like they've moved backwards, not forwards. Yeah, I think the biggest concern that I have along, I agree with you 100% with the Shaq Mason trade, is that this isn't just about top-of-the-market guys like Allen Robinson, right? I reported just a few minutes ago that the Patriots had some legitimate interest in Allen Robinson, but as soon as they heard the money, they bowed out. Then others have reported that Brennan Scarlett was a target for the Patriots from the Dolphins. He ends up going back to Miami on a one-year deal for low money because the Patriots were the other team involved but didn't want to pay him more than the Dolphins were offering him. Ted Karras, one of their own, right? He gets more money from Cincinnati. They won't match it. They were never at all – you know, involved in JC Jackson, really. They, they never really made a concerted effort or a legitimate offer that JC was actually going to take that could to bring him back here. So this is top of the market guys like JC and Allen Robinson that they're lowballing or not interested in because at their, at their price point, 
it's mid-tier guys. They were interested in Jakeem Grant. They pivoted to Ty Montgomery because he's the cheaper option. Even guys like Brennan Scarlett, who I think we're going to find out here, got $6 bucks to go back to the Miami Dolphins. The Patriots, too expensive for us, right? So everybody right now at every tier for New England is too expensive. And I personally don't think that fans should take that. Like, I'm not saying that we have to freak out and scream and yell and panic uh, two days into free agency. But the fact that this team that Forbes just valued at $5 billion is trying to use money as an excuse for why they are not making their roster better is a shame. It's a shame. It's a, I shouldn't even say a shame. It's a sham, right? Because that's truly not what's happening here. The Patriots have the ability, they have the flexibility to move cap around and to make it happen if they want to make it happen when it comes to signing guys. They don't want to make it happen. They don't want to pay the money. And to me, that is more of a disservice to the fan base than anything else that they could possibly do, because that means that they are not investing into the product on the field. Sure, you can go ahead and rebuild mm-hmm. your lighthouse, right? And and you can put your right. your, your new stadium, uh, half a stadium up there, Robert Kraft, but you're not actually going to go out and make the money, uh, put money on the field in the on-field product. That, to me, is a complete disservice to the fans. Again, there's a long way to go. Uh, I don't entirely they, – they can be flexible. So this, to me, is why it's different. They're generally flexible with cap when they need to be, right? They may not go ahead and open up $60 million to sign the top receiver and top pass rusher on the market, but they generally do have some level of flexibility. I don't think they've exercised one of those opportunities this year, out, like in, in no. terms of player retention. Right. They traded Shaq Mason. That was their move to free up cap. They haven't done it in terms of restructures. There's guys forget even restructuring where you're still paying the same amount of money. You're just paying more of it up front. A guy like Jake Bailey. Right. It makes sense to extend Jake Bailey work on a new deal. There is a football reason for that. And he's still he's still on the although he might get cut. I don't know, but he's still on the one year deal. Yeah. So my my theories here, and I wrote about this this morning on CLNSmedia.com, my, my theories about it, why are they being so frugal with their money this offseason? I think the obvious thing is to point to last offseason and say they spent their cash then, right? They were number one in the league in real cash spending in 2021. That was their big payday. They don't want to do it again. But I think when you dig deeper into this, what really it presents to me is something that Robert Kraft said to us in the media last year after the free agent spending spree. And that was two things. One, it was the most money he had ever shelled out in an off season, just in terms of pure capital in his 27 years as the owner. The second thing that he said was that they used to laugh at teams that used to go out and spend like crazy in the off season and quote unquote, win the off season. The Patriots used to, ha 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 people like that right that built their teams like that we're gonna do it with value and we're gonna do it the smart way and maybe they'll end up being right maybe their patience will end up paying off and they'll end up getting some of these players at good value and maybe they'll end up signing some of these guys that are in terms of you know releases and things like that that aren't factors in the comp pick formula I think that those things could possibly happen, right? And maybe we'll all look like dummies for freaking out in the first week of free agency come September when they have a good roster. But again, I come back to what I said at the beginning. Can they win at a competitive championship level, building the roster with value signings and buy low candidates and bargain buys in the off season and not going out and it no one's asking them to spend 200 million dollars guaranteed again right it's right. not no one's expecting them to go out there and go absolutely nuts like they did last offseason but can we get one player that moves the needle can we get one player that makes this team significantly better because they were nowhere near good enough last year as it was they were a blowout in buffalo in the wild card round and see you later so not only have they gotten worse by the guys that they have lost, but they weren't even close to good enough last year. So I come back to, again, can they win like this? Can they win 
being this value-based model team that doesn't want to compromise the future cap years. And I think a lot of people look around the league and they say, well, how are the Rams doing it? How are the Saints doing it? How are all the, the Bucks and the Bills doing it? The Bucks and the Bills and the Saints and the Rams, they all borrow money from the future, right? They look at their future cap. They use void years. They use uh, salary conversions. They do all these types of things. And everybody say says, oh, it, the bill will come due eventually. Meanwhile, in New Orleans, has the bill really came due? They're $30 million under the cap, right? So when does the bill right. come due? I, I, I'm still waiting for somebody to tell me when the, the, you know, the, the police or the IRS show up at New Orleans at the Superdome and say, if you don't pay your, your wages now, then, then you're out of the league. Right. I, I don't think that's coming anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, just to, to backtrack. Organization. This doesn't feel like a value-based off season. It feels like just, Cutting costs. I said this yesterday. I I spent all of last year pounding the table for that four-year rebuild, right? And I said, hey, look, if they don't, when they had the one seed, you're all talking about, hey, if they don't end up winning the division, that's fine because they got a window, right? Because they got time because they're going to build on this. And this is the foundation and they're going to put build on top of this. They instead just chipped away at the foundation. This isn't, it, it's not about value-based to me. It's, this just isn't how you operate when you have a, rook, a rookie quarterback who's a starting caliber yeah. player, this just isn't how this is done. You know, you figure out a way to keep JC Jackson. You certainly don't trade off a starting caliber guard for cap reasons. Those are moves teams make when they're getting ready to hit that reset button. And they're like, the Browns are going to be that team next year. You watch. Cause apparently Baker Mayfield wants that, right? We're seeing teams like the Texans do this move on from guys for salary cap reasons. Cause they just want to clear the books, clean slate. You're going to hit, start the whole thing over. Right. That's what it feels like the Patriots are lining up for. This is what they did in 2020. Outside of tagging Joe Tooney, I still don't entirely get why they did that. But, yeah. you know, they they traded Deron. There's no need for them to trade Deron Harmon, but they moved on from Deron Harmon for picks. Um, they let a bunch of guys just walk. And because they knew, and I think we all knew deep down, as much as we wanted them to keep winning post-Brady, I think they knew that they just kind of needed a reset year. And that's what it was. Right. You don't take a reset year the year after taking a quarterback 15th overall. That's just and not, year after winning 10 games and moving your, your whole right, operation exactly. forward. Right, exactly. It's not, you know, if they had taken, to go back to a draft argument we had a ton last year, if they had taken Kellen Mond or Davis Mills in the third round and those right. guys flopped and they won seven games, then yeah, then this offseason makes a ton of sense. All right, you got to reset it again. Right. Like you said, they won 10 games. They were right. They were right there for the division you shouldn't be, you know, you should be building on that foundation, not resetting the foundation. Yeah. I think that's the most frustrating thing is that this should be, they don't need to be uncharacteristically aggressive. Like they were off last off season, right. But they should still be targeted moves. Targeted moves right. was supposed to be the phrase this off season. Right. They should still have the pedal to the metal, right. They should still be aggressive and still trying to add to this roster. And, and I'm sorry, like if they go out there and, and they go into that pool of recently released veterans and they start kind of signing Logan Ryan's and Trey flowers of the world and stuff like I just, I don't think that that moves the needle enough. Like, I don't think that that Trey flowers would for me hand up Trey flowers would for me slightly, slightly. Like we're not talking about Trey flowers in the same conversation as some of these edge rushers that have signed in free agencies, not Von Miller, not Chandler Jones. They didn't need Von Miller, Chandler Jones. The only place they needed a signing like that was at corner. And outside of bringing back JC Jackson or signing borderline signing Carlton Davis. Like, I don't know if he's in that tier. He's right on the line, right? Outside of those two, there was no Chandler Jones. The Chandler Jones in free agency this year at that position was JC Jackson was the guy who, like I said, I would have liked for them to bring back. They didn't need, uh, they didn't need, Chandler Jones, they didn't need Von Miller. I don't even know that Allen Robinson was necessarily a fit, as I said for the last couple of weeks. Now, if a guy like Chris Godwin or, or Mike Williams had hit the market, that would be a different story. I always thought wide receiver was going through the draft. They really just needed a corner, a veteran middle linebacker. Both those spots could have been bringing back their own guys. And I think that was it. That was really all I was looking for in free agency. Right. It was like it really an NFL starting caliber player there. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of year 
as college basketball takes center stage as the tournament is finally upon us. Looking to wager this year, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with the greatest contests, including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize. Head over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. But online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games. Bet online where the game starts. It's the guards, right? It's it's Karras and it's Shaq Mason. It's the fact right. that they couldn't get it done with Ted Karras and they traded Shaq Mason for a fifth round pick when they really didn't have to make that move. Those are the two things that I think bugged me the most about this offseason. If you put Shaq Mason and Ted Karras back on this team, then I feel a lot better about where they're at because they've moved on sure, from sure. guys like J.C. Jackson in the past, right? And they make it work. They figure it out. They draft and replace, and the engine keeps going. The Karras and Shaq Mason moves were unnecessary. They, they lost Ted Karras over not even guaranteed money. They lost him over a couple million dollars in – just total value and maximum contract value with Shaq Mason. What was that trade and what was the necessity of that trade? And I think if you go and you put those guys back on the team that we would all feel a lot better about where they stand this off season. But again, I think the biggest thing that I have concerns about is that every single time I cannot tell you, Alex, how many messages I have gotten since free agency opened on Monday with people telling me the Patriots inquired, but they weren't paying the money. Uh, And it's not just guys like Allen Robinson, right? It's guys at every single level of the free agent market. Like they had an interest in, uh, I'll just rattle off some wide receivers. They had interest in Allen Robinson, too much money. They had interested in Jakeem Grant, too much money. They had interest in Cedric Wilson, too much money. Like all those guys are at different levels, right? And all of it was too much money. So at what point in time is it not too much money? Is it going to have to be somebody like Travis Benjamin, who they've shown some interest in, or D.D. Westbrook, who they showed some interest in? And what good is it to bring those guys in at this point? Like I I would much rather, if you're going to go that direction, then drafting, it doesn't even need to be a first-round pick wide receiver. You could draft a guy in the fourth round that probably produces as much as D.D. Westbrook is going to produce for this team next year. So my concern is the is the fact that they don't actually want to shell out the cash for anybody. And Jarvis Landry, nope, not interested, right? Like, th- th- this is what we're talking about. It's about real cash dollars. And that's, I think, what the biggest concern that I have with this team. They did make some moves. They did make some moves yesterday, lost some more people yesterday. I think the best way to go about this is to start with the people that they – did bring in and Ty Montgomery is the only one so far. I think we already talked about Terrence uh, Mitchell, didn't we? So no, cause wasn't, I think it was yesterday morning. Okay. So we can go with that. We'll start with Montgomery just since it was the newer signing. I, uh, I sent a DM to, to Nick Underhill. He used to be on the Patriots beat now covers the saints does a great job down there in new Orleans. I asked him if he thought Ty Montgomery had anything left in the take. And Nick's response was one word. N O no. No, nothing left in the tank. So, Alex, what do they see in Ty Montgomery, and why is he here? Uh, he gives them, you know, it's it's not that he can necessarily do one thing very well. It's that he's going to do a bunch of things at at a you know acceptable level. Um, he gives them depth behind James White. He gives them depth behind Jacoby Myers. He can cover kicks. He you know he's really good. That was something he did last year for the first time, and he he was pretty good at it. So I think that's what it is, right? You're losing all this talent. They want guys who can do multiple things. So now you have your backup slot receiver. You have your backup pass catching running back. This probably does check off running back as a need in the draft, honestly. So that's one less thing you need to do there. And it it checks off a coverage guy. And, and don't be fooled. Like as much as people want to bitch and moan that they spend too much money on special teams, that unit's kind of thin right now, at least for their standards. Uh, yeah. Brandon Bolden's gone. Brandon King is still a free agent. They could bring him back. but. um 
they've lost they've lost guys there more than they've brought them in the last couple of years. So I, I think he's just a guy they can plug in a bunch of different spots and maybe limit some of the, you know, it, it cross off some of those bottom tier. He crossed off some of those bottom tier needs. I, you know, he can return kicks too. Gunner's a, a pending free agent. Um, or I guess now is a free agent technically like, I mean, he's a fine player. I, I always really liked him in green Bay. I honestly thought he was like 32, 33. It feels like he's been in the league for a while. He came in the league in 2015. He turned 29 last month, but yeah, fine signing. Like if they had done a couple other things, I'd be like, hey, this is good. Like a nice guy at the bottom of the roster is going to contribute in a couple different ways. Those guys can right. help steal your game from time to time. It's just when that's the, again, I said to open the show, when that's the only move, it's a little bit tougher. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly what Ty Montgomery is here for. And you're right. I think Terrence Mitchell fits that box as well, that if this was last year and they were adding Terrence Mitchell into that cornerback group with JC Jackson right. at the top of it, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, remember what happened in Buffalo in the wild card round when Jalen Mills gets COVID, can't play in the game on Sunday, they get blown off the field. Well, now if you had a guy like Terrence Mitchell instead of Jawan Williams in there, or instead of some of the practice squad guys they called up, that move adds depth. It adds some comfortability. It adds some stability at that spot. I don't necessarily think that Terrence Mitchell is a guy that's going to start a lot of games for the Patriots next year, but he's a good fourth corner and a guy that could start a game if they absolutely needed him to, and wouldn't be a total liability out there. And I think Ty Montgomery fits in a similar category where they lost Brandon Bolden to Patriots West. They needed a backup plan for a guy like James White coming out of the backfield. He can play a little bit of receiver as well. If they lose somebody there to an injury, he can potentially return kicks. I don't know if he's got the juice to return kicks anymore, but it's he hasn't done it in a couple of years. Not regularly. Yeah. It's certainly something that he could at least test out in training camp and see in practice if he's able to do it at a high level or any sort of high level. And those are the types of fill-in middle-tier, low-tier sidings, middle-class, if you will, that the Patriots have always had, that have really been productive players for New England. I think the issue is is more about the top of the roster right now and where the Patriots are going with that. I I mentioned all those wide receivers that the Patriots have cheaped out on. Uh, Apparently, according to Andrew Callahan, who first originally reported that they were interested in Leo Collins, now that he's going to be a free agent, they're no longer interested in Leon Collins because it'd be too expensive. So, which like then trade for him if you know his price is going to go up and you want him to trade for him, right? And apparently they couldn't figure out a day three pick for Leon Collins or a swap for Leon Collins and on day three, clearly they were the Cowboys were just trying to get rid of him, right? They they were going to cut him outright. So you couldn't have traded a, a, the fifth-round pick you got for Shaq Mason to Dallas for Leal Collins. As it is, the fifth round is the round that they take punters and long snappers and special teams cover guys, right? I mean, that's that's the special teams round for Bill Belichick. That's that's the a tough one to swallow, too, the fact that they couldn't make a trade with Dallas for Leal Collins as Here's well. Here's the thing. Yeah. So, so I'm going to kind of speculate here and then I'm going to be super Bobo Homer and kind of throw a theory out. That's going to get me made fun of when we throw it out anyway. First off, okay. if they were to trade a fifth for Lael Collins, the fifth they have, they only have one fifth. They traded their original one last year for Trent Brown. So that would have been the Shaq Mason pick. Right. Dallas needs a guard like badly. I wonder if they could have traded Shaq Mason for Lael Collins straight up. And if they offered that. Yeah. Because that's essentially what moving that fifth would have been. And I wonder if they didn't want to move anything more than that because they didn't, they didn't value Lael Collins more than they valued Shaq Mason. Do you, like if that makes sense. You know what no, I'm I actually think it's uh, honestly a decent deal because I think what ultimately happened with Shaq Mason is one, they obviously felt like his play was a little bit on the decline and he was going to be, his production was not going to match the contract years left on his contract. The second thing I think what happened with Shaq is, in their system in particular, they see Michael on when as a right guard. They feel like his right. long-term home is best suited. As we know, Shaq has been one of the best run blockers in the NFL for half a decade now. He pulls a lot. They combo with him a lot. And they feel like that should be Michael on for this team moving forward at right guard. So 
I would have loved that move. You trade Shaq Mason, you get Leal Collins, you need a right tackle that's not Trent Brown or uh, just going kind of year to year with that right tackle position over the last couple of years. You solidify it, you get a bona fide stud in Leal Collins, you put on Wenu on that side with him at right guard, his natural position in your scheme. And I could explain that, right? I, I could justify that. The fact that they're not even in Lyle Collins's market anymore is really disappointing to me because, yeah, it's easier said than done, in my opinion, to just say, oh, well, they'll find a guard in the fifth round and plug him in. I would have thought that if Dante Scarnecchio was still here as the offensive line coach, I even would have thought right. that if Carmen Brasillo was still the offensive line coach, because he's the one that coached up on Wenu. Let's not forget that wasn't Scar. Right. Right. He's the one that coached up on Wenu. So I would have sat there and said, okay, yeah, they'll figure that out. If Matt Patricia's coaching the offensive line, are they going to be able to plug in a rookie fifth round pick at guard and start him in week one? Yeah. So, okay. So hang on. So here's the other half of that yeah. take though. So, and again, this is where I'm going kind of Homer. And I don't, I don't, this is more of a concept than my personal belief, but okay. they clearly, they don't want to part with picks in this draft. They don't want to do it. Yeah. They don't, they gave up Shaq Mason just to get a pick. Is it possible? And, and they, so they're not adding anybody, whatever. Is it possible that they just have a really good read on this draft? They really love this class and they think, Hey, we can get a starting caliber guard in the fifth round. Hey, we're not going to give up a fourth round pick for Leo Collins because we know we can get a starting caliber wide receiver, linebacker corner in the fourth round. A guy who's cost controlled, a guy who's under contract, a guy who's young, like, Maybe this is maybe this is a little, you know, maybe I'm being overly optimistic here. But if you want that view of it, you know, how do you, how do I spin this to make it seem like the Patriots are on top of things? Anytime you can add a player, right? If you know, and here's the this kind of a catch 22. If there's two equal players, you'd rather add a player in the draft than free agency because the player in the draft is younger, right. cheaper, and odds are under contract for more term. The, yes. the catch 22 in that is it's impossible to know a player in the draft is of equal caliber to any player already in the league because the player in the draft has never played at the NFL level. That's right. the catch 22 in it theoretically, but is it possible the Patriots, wh whoever it is, whatever it is and this, we could do a week's worth of shows about just figuring out the answer to this question. And we will, right. by the way, starting next week. Yeah. Is it possible the Patriots just look at this draft and say, we can get a player close enough to Leo Collins that we're not giving up a fourth round pick. We can get a player close enough to who's, a, who's one of the corners that signed like one of any of the veteran corner. Who's the one to sign in Atlanta today who people liked for them. Casey Hayward. Blanking on the name. Right. We can get a guy in Casey Hayward's like 30. We can get a yeah. guy who's going to give us what Casey Hayward would have given us in year one, but he's eight years younger. Right. And we can get, we know we can get that guy. It's Tariq wool and it's whoever we can get that right. guy in the third round. We're not parting with that pick for anything. Right. We don't need to bring JC Jackson back because we know Andrew Booth is going to be a number one corner in year one. And we can take him at 21 and save 10, $15 million, whatever it would be. So, Again, there's a lot of ifs there. I'm not necessarily yeah. saying that's what I believe, but if that's how they feel, then what they're doing makes sense. If that is how they yeah. feel, then there would be no reason for them to go and start splurging in free agency. Is this that draft? Can they actually identify the talent? Do the guys they want, will they be on the board in those spots? Again, if that's the game they're playing, it's a dangerous, dangerous, yeah. dangerous game to play. But if you want... To know, like, oh, hey, how do you spin this to a positive? There you go. Well, this relates back to what Kraft said last year, which is good teams, sustainable teams, build through the draft. They don't build through free agency. They don't overpay veteran talent in free agency. They draft good players, and they develop good players. And that's the way that good teams have sustained success in the NFL. And I think what we've seen this year after the spreading spree last year is a return back to that side of thinking. So I agree with you hundred percent that I think the Patriots think they're going to knock this draft out of the park. And yesterday, I know a lot of people tweeted about it. You wrote about it, Alex, that the Patriots continued down at the Georgia pro day. Bill was there. Patricia was there. Grow was there. Uh, some of their assistant coaches were there, right? Watching all these guys at Georgia. So they feel in every sense of it, from a spending standpoint, from what they've done so far in free agency, it definitely feels like they are way more 
all in on the draft than they are in free agency. Like I feel like they're just saying to themselves, let's get some guys to fill in some blanks like the Terrence Mitchell, like a Ty Montgomery, and let's get to April because that's where we're going to really do our work. And that's where we're going to focus on. We're not going to sit here and comb through hours and hours of free agency tape, right? We're not going to watch all these guys in free agency because we're going to the draft. And that's, that's the positive spin on it. And and so, I think so was, real quick, the, the one other yeah. thing I'd add to that take, and I've said this before, last year, director of player personnel, who's essentially the GM, the number two to Bill, right? The director of player personnel is Dave Ziegler. His entire career background was in pro personnel, free agency, co- like co- contract renegotiation, contract extension, all that. That was his background. Yeah. That job is, he's now in Vegas. That job is now held by Matt Groh. Matt Groh's entire background is in scouting, the college game, all of that. So the guy in charge is a draft guy. He's not afraid. Now, that doesn't mean he can't do both. Obviously, with Ziegler in charge last year, they had a good draft. But Groh was a big part of that. We saw Groh was at the Georgia Pro Day, right? Right, He was there, right, at the start of free agency. And from what I'm told, the guy running running the show. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, from what I'm told, the the guy that's truly running free agency right now is Elliot Wolf. Obviously, Belichick is involved. And he's part of the negotiation, probably the part of the negotiation. But the guy on the horn is Elliot Wolf. And he's the one that's making the calls to agents. And he's the one that's putting in offers. And Bill is kind of just giving him a thumbs up or a thumbs down behind the scene. And that, I think, is where we're headed with this. Is Like you said, back to the draft being the focus. Back to drafting and developing, identifying good players in the draft. And using that as the way that you're going to get your studs. You're not going to get your blue chippers in free agency. They just don't believe in that. They don't think that the way that these other teams are doing it, like the Rams, for instance, who just don't care about draft picks or the salary cap and are just doing whatever they want to do out there. They don't believe that that's sustainable. They think in a year or two, that roster is going to age. Everybody's going to get very expensive and that team is going to fall by the wayside. And they'll probably end up being correct. But the question is when you have, Mahomes and you have Allen and you have what the Chargers are doing with Justin Herbert like the next team is always going to be coming right the next Rams is always going to be building so can you outbuild those teams but ultimately I I think what this comes down to with the spending and free agencies the Patriots just don't think the value is there they just don't think that that's the right way to go they don't think that it's the right way to build your roster is by paying for all these veteran players overpaying for them most of the time And I think last year in free agency during the spending spree, they looked at it and they said, well, quite frankly, there's some of the players that we signed that we probably overpaid for that we might not even want at their cap number anymore. Right. Like, do they want Nelson Aguilar on this team? Do they want Johnny and his cap number on this team? When you look at what some of the receivers are getting this year, I don't know that Nelson Aguilar's cap number is a mistake at this point, but that's probably another conversation. Yeah. So, I get it. Uh, I think that that is the model. And uh, the one thing that I would push back on, or the one thing that I would sort of wish would happen here is like you said at the beginning, it's targeted signings, right? It's not the $200 million spending spree that we're all looking for, but it's the one or two veteran players that come in just to keep the arrow pointed in the right direction. And whether that was a guy like Alan Robinson, they felt, or even if it's somebody on a lower level, like they might still be involved in Marquez Valdez Scantling's market. I don't think that he's this great player, but maybe they feel that that's the move. Or maybe, you know, like Greg Bedard throughout around the combine, it's a Robbie Anderson for Nelson Aguilar type of swap. Right. And they feel like that's right. a little bit of an improvement. Nobody is, was expecting them to add through free agency like they did last year. But making some little moves, and when I say little, I mean just in volume, but making a few moves to make the team better should have been a priority. And maybe we'll still get right. that. Maybe we'll still get that. All right, let's talk so, about something. Go ahead. Well, I, I would just say real quick to that, too, with the Nelson Aguilar for Robbie Anderson thing, the Patriots probably need a pick in that, I would think. Need a pick in that deal. So right. here you go again. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them start – acquiring draft capital. I, I think they're going to trade down. I think they're going to trade down on 21. That That's sort of the feeling that you get is 
for obvious reasons, and they've already you know signed one guy in Terrence Mitchell. I want to talk about more in a, in a second here. They the trade market guys that were released, veterans that were released that don't count towards the comp formula. That seems to be more of where they've done most of their homework in this off season in terms of the veteran market, right? Like, right. I don't think they did a whole lot of work on this free agency class in terms of just guys that they like studying guys, making sure they would fit looking into their backgrounds, things like that. I think where they've done most of their homework in terms of the veteran market are potential trade acquisitions and releases of off of teams that don't count towards the comp pick formula. So you mentioned Trey flowers, Logan Ryan, Fletcher Cox, I think is a little bit of a dream scenario, but maybe that could come to fruition. Things like that. Lael Collins still, you know, that reports out there that says they're out now on Lael Collins, but maybe they jump back in if that market doesn't go crazy. I want to go back though to some of the other uh, moves that they made here over the last couple of days. And uh, Terrence Mitchell, we mentioned him briefly there. It's interesting that they went with Mitchell instead of some of the other guys at that price point. And why I say that is because he did play some man in Cleveland in 18, some man in Kansas City all the way back at the beginning of his career. But last year in Houston and really over the last couple of seasons where he's been, they've been a zone-based system where he's been at. And we talked about this a little bit with Mac Wilson too. And I don't want to read too much into these low level signings or trades and act like this is a tea leave that says that they're changing and overhauling their, their defensive system. But another guy in Terrence Mitchell that I would say is more comfortable as a zone corner than a straight press man corner like they typically do. And then the other side in there that I wanted to talk about was J- uh, Jakob Johnson going out to Vegas and what that could potentially mean, the Patriots not acquiring a fullback as of yet. But with Mitchell, how much are you reading into this? And how do you feel if they're going to play zone? Like, how do you feel about that in general? Well, so I got to find this tweet again. Phil Perry just actually tweeted something about this that I thought was interesting. I, I... – they're going to need more piece. It's just more players they need if they're going to play zone. That's ultimately how I feel about it. They need different pass rushers. They need uh, different linebackers, which they're starting to go that way. But they have lighter linebackers. I don't know if they have zone linebackers. Okay, you have enough stalling. Here's a tweet from Phil 14 minutes ago. Phil A. Perry on Twitter. Been told it's too strong to say the Patriots are definitely shifting at linebacker. Game plan team. Open to smaller options. And then, all right, and then, and then he plugs his podcast. Um, I think I think that's kind of what it is. I think they want to mix. I still think there's whether it's Hightower, or whoever, and the longer yeah. Hightower goes without signing, by the way, the greater the chance I think it is he's back in New England. I really thought he was going to end up in Pittsburgh, and then they go out and they sign Bobby Wagner. Um, I, I I still think they're going to bring in a 260, 270 pound linebacker. I think they want to mix mix it and match it. Uh, okay. I still think they're going to play. They might play some zone. They might truly become a game plan defense. They might not be a man or zone defense. It might just be whatever the day calls for. I wouldn't put that past bill. Now that's incredibly difficult to do. You need a lot of personnel. And we spent the first half hour of the show talking about how, you know, time's kind of running out on them just purely in terms of bodies, getting everybody they need. Right. So it feels a little tough, but that that's the direction I think they're going. I think they want to be able to play both. Yeah, I th- I would agree that they they've always sort of been like that to a degree, but their man system is really really simple, right? It's mono. It's one on one. Like there's not. It's not really that. Well, complex it's it's simple they, schematically. It's very right, difficult exactly. to play technically. Right. So that's the right. that's the catch side, right? Is that it's very simple uh, systematically schematically. But when it comes to actually getting those types of corners, there's only certain corners that can hang in that type of system. Terrence Mitchell, to me, is not one of them. Like, if you're putting Terrence Mitchell in a bunch of man coverage, and I know that people said this a little bit, like Jalen Mills, too, that he's not a man corner, and he held up okay in man last year. But Terrence Mitchell is a guy that was, I think he ran like a 4-7 in the 40 back at the Combine when he was in coming out of college. He's somebody that you don't want playing a ton of man-to-man and I I just that's something that I would be a little bit wary of and I don't know it it just is interesting that Mac Wilson's smaller he's got a little bit more athleticism or coverage feel to him Terrence Mitchell's more of a zone corner as well 
and maybe a guy in the draft like Andrew Booth Jr., who doesn't have a ton of experience in press man, has some really, really good tape in press, but he doesn't have the reps that some of the other guys do in straight press. Maybe right. he's somebody that is more in the conversation or like the Washington DBs. Those are guys that play a lot of zone, right? Out there right. in Washington. Maybe those guys start to be more a part of this conversation as well. The other schematic. And by the way, real quick, I, I meant Miles Jack in Pittsburgh, not Bobby Wagner, wrong linebacker that got released. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Uh, another schematic shift that I wanted to talk about was Jakob Johnson going out with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas with the Raiders. We have seen the Patriots over the last couple of years try to get more athletic at the fullback position. I would say guys like Dan Vitale and Dalton Keene and uh, maybe Ben Mason was a little bit more of an athletic guy than somebody like Jakob Johnson. But until the Patriots sign a fullback, I am interested to see, is that gone by the wayside? And is that sort of more a Josh McDaniels thing to be that power eye two back team? Or are they going to just sign a fullback or draft a fullback or UD probably hopefully not draft one, maybe UDFA fullback they like or something like that and go that direction. But would you like them to go away from the fullback in general though? I don't know. I, I, I think with the, I think two of their best offensive players are Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. I know you're going to roll your eyes at this, but you got to capitalize on those guys and their downhill running ability. At this point, they're two of their best offensive players. So I right. can't really roll my, roll my eyes at it. I mean, well, no, I meant the, the idea I that you got to kind of capitalize on their skill sets, I but you mean, yeah, you know, you're better off with those guys. If you a fullback doesn't mean he needs to play a significant amount. I think when Jakob Johnson played last year, I think it's around 30% usage rate, which is yes. probably about right. That's about where he should be. Um, overall, I think they're about 35% with the fullback because they used the linemen on, on a handful of occasions. I, the utility fullback thing is interesting to me. And you talk about a, a fullback in the draft. It's really just Connor Hayward. Like there's not that old yeah. school, you know, blocking fullback. That and you guy's know they not- would love Connor Hayward. I mean, not just because they he's really personal, would. but because of the – family lineage in the NFL too. And yeah. some of the other connections to the Patriots. The, yeah. He's the mental like makeup. Guy. I mean, the guys, yeah. you know, first one last out kind of guy, all of that, that might right. be the plan that, that honestly might be the plan. Um, yeah. I, I think they should have a, a fullback. There's another, um, I got to remember his name, Elijah Penny, who also, by the way, is another sibling. It's Rashad Penny's, I believe younger brother. I might yeah. be wrong on that, but younger brother, he was with Joe judge in New York the last couple of years. And he is a more utility fullback. He caught 20 something passes last year. He didn't have a overly heavy workload, but he can contribute in the passing game. Right. Again, the familiarities there with judge. He's a guy I would look at in free agency. I know people were tweeting at me yesterday, Patrick Ricard. They're not spending money at any of these positions. Right. You think they're going to spend a fullback? Like uh, I, the, the two names I keep throwing out. If it's in free agency, it's Elijah Penny. If it's in the draft, it's Connor Hayward. Both those guys are utility fullbacks. There just aren't a ton of those blocking fullbacks available anymore. They might really have to dig to find one. When I say there isn't one in the draft, the board I use goes, I think it goes like 550 players deep. Um, and trust me, I'm not necessarily familiar with every player on the board, but I sort it by position a lot. Connor Hayward's the only fullback. So they're, oh, wow. Well, it goes 566 players deep. This board. Shout out Isaiah Land, linebacker, Florida AM. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So they're gonna if they want to find a true blocking fullback and they're not doing it in free agency, they're gonna have to go to Canada. They're gonna maybe the international pathway program again. Right. Um, I mean, this is beyond the USFL at this point. Uh, Japan plays college football. I know Norway does. Um, I'm missing an obvious one, Arena League. But yeah, I mean that that might be what you're talking about. There's there's guys out there. There's just it's you know we get in the weeds, right, with this stuff. Yeah. We're talking beyond our knowledge. Yeah. In that. Yeah. Which is it's why true. I think they're going utility. I think they would have kept Jakob Johnson if they wanted that role. I think they're going to go with the utility fullback. Uh Ben Mason real quick, not on the roster anymore. He signed a futures deal with the Ravens. And that's so, the other thing. Yeah. They, these, some of these guys are going to get cut. They may just be like, "Eh, we'll throw whoever will will throw William Sherman at fullback throughout camp and then somebody will break free and we'll sign him off a practice squad or claim him on waivers or whatever before the season starts that could very much be the plan too 
Yeah, as much as it drives me crazy just from a big picture standpoint and the fact that your just your maximum point production is so much lower as a team when you run a team out of 21 regular the way the Patriots have in the past couple of years, but their production and their efficiency out of 21 personnel has been the best out of any personnel grouping that they've been in pretty much going on since like the 2018 season, right? Like it's, it's been three or four years now where 21 has been their most productive grouping. Why? Because they're averaging over four yards per carry on the ground when they're in 21. And number two, their play action passing game is fantastic out of 21 personnel. They lead the fullback through the hole. They get everybody to jump up. They hit the tight ends and the slot receivers crossing over the middle. It's a difficult play to stop. They've been running it like the same way for 10 years. Now, you mentioned the utility fullback. I also would love to throw Johnny Smith's name into that ring. Like From everything that I've seen from him on tape when it comes to blocking last year, when he was handing the dirt and just trying to engage somebody right in front of him with zero momentum, he was getting himself ragdolled sometimes. Like he was not a very good inline blocker last year for the Patriots. Maybe they can get more out of him as a blocker if he gets a head start. If he's right. able to move or generate some momentum first, whether it's coming out of the backfield from a fullback alignment or even more like an H back alignment where he's coming across the formation, just something that you're able to just get rolling a little bit before you get into the block. I wonder if that would be a better usage of his skill set and then also be able to run routes out of the backfield and get him some mismatches and then get him into some space coming out. The best game Johnny Smith had was actually a half. It was that first half against the Jets the first time they played New York. He Our second time, excuse me, the one game at, at Gillette. He had like 50 yards in the half, right? He had a catch out of the backfield and fullback. They ran a corner route with him uh, at, from a fullback spot. They never ran the play again, or at least they never hit it again, right? And that's what I wonder is maybe they could see using him. I've always looked at Johnny and thought a little bit Kyle Guzchek-like, right? Like he's got that kind of skill set to him where he's not really the pure route runner. He's not really a pure inline guy, but he can kind of do a little bit of everything. That would probably, in my mind, you know, get a little bit more out of him. So I would throw Johnny Smith's name in that hybrid fullback or utility fullback position as well. But it does feel like they want to get a little bit more punch out of that spot. And they don't want that guy to be a complete negative or you know, kind of a zero when they do throw the football and do go to the air out of 21 personnel. Um, by the way, I did find the, the list of draft fullbacks. Yeah, most of them are out of the, the top. Uh, 500 the number one fullback actually hang on here john chanel from wisconsin i i'm guessing that's his brother i'm get that's got to be leo chanel's brother right hey you draft leo chanel the way they did landon roberts a few years ago that guy could definitely be a fullback right i mean that's not his best role yeah. obviously but. xander horvath from purdue purdue yeah. produced mike allstott i could be into that um ben miles some of these guys are are all right, so there's five guys here, but yeah, they're all say so they're they're there. We don't need to go over to Japan. They're there, but yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. So uh, anything to uh, to add about Brandon Bolden? I know we talked about him a little bit with Ty Montgomery. Do, do you feel like this is a, a big impact loss? Obviously, it's not a big impact loss, but you, you know, Brandon Bolden was he he deserves a minute on the show. I feel like right. I mean, a, a consummate patriot. Two stints with New England, both were good. Really filled in very well for James White last year. Wasn't James White, but he did a very, very good job in his stay. Core special teams player. He's one of those guys who's talking to us about how he had so many text chains going back his entire time with the Patriots with former Pats running backs, you know, Deion Lewis, Garrett Blunt, Stephen Ridley were some names he mentioned. I think a lot of people, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson can probably attest to this as well. Brandon Bolden was a mentor was somebody that they all looked up to and learned a lot from, even though he wasn't necessarily a pro bowl running back in his own right. He really helped a lot of those guys that were very good. Yeah. Just a genuinely good person. Like, yeah. Love football, loves football, loves his teammates, all of that. He did a great job filling in for James White last year. I know he got a lot of hate for his performance early in the year, but that's really not his role. 
they really asked him to play well outside his comfort zone. And he, he figured it out admirably by November. I think he did as, as much as he could ask for. Um, and then to find out, you know, he's working his way back from cancer. He was still playing football, all of that. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of guy it, you always want one guy like that on your team. At least one guy like that on your team. And maybe he's not going to play a ton. Maybe he's not going to sell the most jerseys. Maybe he's not going to get the headlines every week, but you, he's a guy that you rally around. Everybody in the locker room likes, he makes going to work a little bit easier he gives you something to play for. So a consummate professional, absolutely in every sense of the word. Um, and that's, you know, when you're a first year coach, like Josh McDaniels, you want a guy like that, especially a guy yeah. you're familiar with. And he's going to kind of help bridge that gap between the guys who already were in Vegas and some of the other first year players who maybe aren't familiar with McDaniels as much. And by the way, some of this can be said about Jakob Johnson too, I think um, that's it's, it's just a really good deal all around for the Raiders for, for Brandon Bolden himself. Um, happy, happy to see him get his deal. And uh, yeah, as for the Patriots, Montgomery probably is going to give them more or less football wise, what they'd miss. If they hadn't brought back James White, it would be a much bigger discussion, but James White's back. I'm still pretty much where I was two weeks ago. Can we just get a kid who maybe can fill that role? We know JJ Taylor's not the guy. Can right. we start looking for James White's replacement now? Uh, but short term, not a monumental need, not a monumental football loss. Yeah, and I think unless they are going out there and they're adding a bunch of more picks into this draft, the third down receiving back is probably something that's going to have to wait. Maybe they well, could get okay, somebody. Hang on. Yeah, and maybe they can get somebody UDFA. But let's let's play yeah. a quick game here, real quick. They're they're scheduled to have seven picks right now. Yes. Over under seven and a half picks. How many do they make in the draft this year when it's all said and done? Well, they only have twenty eight players under contract in twenty twenty three, so. 2022's roster they probably don't have a bunch of starting spots for all those picks right even if you hit on every single one of them but looking ahead to 2023 they they have half their roster right I mean they they have a big a big hole to fill there so I actually think that they could draft over that quite easily and be able to just make sure that this team not only has some plug and play guys for 2022 is obviously the main goal but looking ahead to 2023, uh, there's going to be a lot of turnover again. And at one, at some point, we're going to start talking about some of these other, you know, Devin McCourty, for example, and Matt, Matthew Slater said this to us this morning. There was a conversation there between those two guys. Like, are we going to come back? Uh, are we going to do this again? And if we are, we're doing it together. At some point, they're going to look at each other and say we're done. Right. So, right. You start looking ahead at some of these needs in 2023 too, which I know the Patriots are going to do in the draft. They're not just looking at it at a, as a one-year prism. They're looking at it as a multi-year prism. I, I would say way over seven if they could. I, I don't know if they can pull off enough trades to make that happen, but I, that's the way I would look at it. I think they can get to nine or ten. I'm, I'm going to take the over there too. I yeah. Like the way I look at it, you duplicate the Kyle Duggar trade which was 20, I want to say 25 for 37 and 60 something. Yeah. But you're picking a little higher. So instead of a first for a second, a third, you go first for a second, a third and a sixth. Right. So boom, right there. Total's gone from seven to nine. Yeah. Do you move down? You know, if you're at 85 and most of the top 100 guys you like are gone, does 85 become like 110 and 180? Right. So yeah, they're going to have their chances. Um, and they remember, they didn't make any deals last year. They made the one to move up to get Baltimore. That was it. I'm, I'm going to take the over, too. I, I think the number ends up being closer to nine or ten than seven. Yeah, and then uh, as Goose mentioned in the chat, 2023, you get all those comp picks from J.C. Right. Jackson. Probably uh, Ted Karras probably will register on the comp pick formula as well. So you're going to get a couple more comp picks. You're going to have another decent-sized draft class again in 2023 that's the goal they want to build through the draft they want to be sustainable i I just wish for me i i wish that they would pay the guys right like jc jackson earned it and they didn't want to pay him so that that i think is the more frustrating part about it they just don't want to shell out the cash this year they just don't want to pay i know we have some theories as to why i you know last year who knows? I, I I don't know. Stadium rebuild. I don't think that that should be a factor, but it's all got to come out of Robert Kraft's wallet somehow. Right. So who the heck knows a couple of other rumors here before we wrap things up, Trent Brown going out to Seattle to meet with the Seahawks. Maybe it's an injury thing. I, I'm not exactly sure why Trent Brown has to take, 
you know, uh, visits at this point, right? And not just sign a contract like any other free agent. But he's going out to visit Seattle. I would think he said that on the radio the other day, or maybe it was to Josina Anderson, uh, that the Patriots are still in the mix and he'll probably go back to New England and say, this is what Seattle's offering and they'll see if they want to match it. I think it's obvious that Trent Brown coming back would be a good thing for this team. How do you feel about it? Hang on. I'm trying to uh, catch up on something here. Trying to figure out if this is real. Um, I, 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 I do think that they should bring Trent Brown back. I, well, so yes and no, I, again, I'm torn. If you bring Trent Brown back, it's probably on a one year deal, right? Right. Um, and then now you're replacing both tackles next year. Like I, I, okay. In theory, I want, I'm trying to figure out how I should phrase this. I want to tackle. I want a starting caliber tackle on a multi-year deal. Easier said than done. If that's yeah. Trent Brown. Awesome. If Trent Brown's only going to come back on a one-year deal. I don't know who's left. I think Morgan Moses signed, right? That was the guy I really liked for them. Yes. I, there's a couple, there were a couple starting caliber guys. I would go try to find somebody on a multi-year deal just so you don't have to replace both tackles in the same offseason because that's yeah. that's doing a lot. That is doing a ton. So that's where I'm at with Trent Brown. Like, ideally, Trent Brown – and Trent Brown's what, like 28? Give me Trent Brown on a three-year deal. Give me Trent Brown on a three-year deal. I'm over to moon. Trent Brown on a one-year deal, I'd take him back. Like, he's a good player. I'd take him back. But, yeah, two tackles in one offseason – we're trying to do two corners in one off season right now. I mean, it's comparable to this and look yeah. at how, you know, you're pulling teeth already with this. Do you want to do this again next year? When, like you said, like half the roster is said to become free agents. So that that's where I'm at with that. Yeah. I would take Trent Brown back as well, but I'm definitely a little bit worried about how much years and how much guaranteed money you're going to commit to a guy like Trent Brown. Injuries have been an issue for him the last couple of years. And he had an injury Last year with the Patriots, I don't think he's played a full season since 2018. Now that I think about it, because he had the two injury seasons with the Raiders. I know that. I remember that. And then he had the injury season last year with the Patriots. So I don't think that they've had him in full tilt since 2018. So that's going to be something that they're going to have to consider. Obviously, I think if you're giving him a multi-year deal, it's most likely, A, because of cap reasons right you want to spread the cap it out between uh this year and next year but the second one i i would just be really weary of guaranteeing any sort of money into that second season right and and so that's why i'm hesitant because i i I agree i don't know that it makes sense to give him a multi-year deal but like do you get what i'm saying yes you know it's replacing both tackles is such and i want trent brown back he's a good player he's a great fit for their scheme he loves being here but i don't want to have to replace both I, i i don't think he's that good where i want to go through essentially what we're doing with corners right now with tackles next off season. Fair um, Eli yeah. Apple's going back to Cincinnati, by the way. Yeah. I don't think hilarious. really were. I, really I thought they were going to be in on him. In Eli Apple. Ugh, so that's a weirdo diva. I don't, I don't know if he fits them. Uh, yeah. You got something else or. I mean, do you, I don't know if you saw it when you were just looking. Are we, are we talking about a, a certain quarterback? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that? I saw the report. It looks like it's what from like a radio station out of Atlanta or something like that. Yeah. The the sports talk ATL. So I, I texted a source about this person. I didn't text a source about the story. I don't have a source of the story, (laughs) but I texted a source about this person who said, Jake, who's reporting this has been first on this whole thing. Okay. So, well, Benjamin Albright just now said that he couldn't get confirmation on that report. So, so I don't know. You know, at this point, we're driving people another. crazy. There is somebody out there. We're not saying this move has happened. Yes. There is somebody out there, quote, at Sports Talk ATL Jake on Twitter. He is the chief operations officer, producer of Sports Talk ATL, which is a real, they're kind of like the CLNS so, of it. So this is, so this is, oh, okay. So this is smaller than like J- Jimmy Stewart at 98.5 is. Um, no, I, I, I think it's comparable. I think it's comparable. Okay. All right. Love you, so Jay Stu. He, not, he not tweeted, he tweeted, Jay Stu's phone knows all. Jay Stu's yeah. phone is no joke. Um, Sports Talk ATL, Jake, 
Deshaun Watson is expected to waive his no-trade clause and join the Atlanta Falcons per source. Trade should be announced within the next few hours. He then followed that up with a screenshot that just says Deshaun's coming home. Deshaun Watson is from the state of Georgia. I think he's from right outside yeah. of Atlanta, right? Yeah, he's from um, Atlanta, yes. So, Deshaun Watson, Falcons, I'd love that for the pay. I mean, well, he's so going I just to... Saw- I just saw Doug, probably no matter what, right? Right. I just saw Doug Hyde tweeted the Falcons are signing for agent running back Damian Harris, uh, Damian yeah. Williams. So never mind. Yeah. Um, DW, but wrong DW. It, you know, you're right. It was between, <laughs> I mean, I think everybody knows at this point, it's between Atlanta and New Orleans. So those seem to yeah. be the spots. What I would say, my read on it is because he's not a free agent. Let's remind ourselves of this, right? Right. If he's, Go. Let's say hype. Like he can pick his landing spot essentially by refusing to waive his no trade clause. But if he goes to Houston, and I don't know that he would do Houston any favors right now. I don't know that he'd do Cal McNair any favors right now. But if yeah. he says, "Yeah, I'm good with either New Orleans or Atlanta," well, if I'm Houston, then Atlanta can offer the better package. They're picking eighth overall, right? So that's why I've been leaning Atlanta this whole time. Yeah. We'll see if this is real, but so like you said, it helps the Patriots. So the thing, yeah, it helps. It. Nick Casario is doing everybody in the AFC a service by making sure he's out of the AFC. Right. But I think the thing that I have concerns with, with if I'm Deshaun and I guess it's different now, like if the Saints had had Sean Payton, then I think this would be a done deal to New Orleans. Like, I don't think he's going anywhere else. Do you think Sean Payton would pull a Tom Brady if he has a chance to coach Deshaun yeah. Watson? He could. And that, Sean Payton is considered by most to be a top five, six play caller and offensive mind in all of football. Right. So if he was still the coach of the saints, I think this is a no brainer for Deshaun Watson to go there is Terry footnote. And uh, you know, the head coach down there in Atlanta, who I'm uh, uh, Arthur Smith. Like, are we sure those guys know what they're doing? Like, I I think Arthur Smith is a good coach. I'm not saying that he doesn't, he's an idiot or anything like that, but are we sure that he's going to get that team competitive for a Super Bowl, right? Like I I, right. I just that's the thing that I push back with there. New Orleans has a little bit better of a track record. They don't have Sean Payton, which obviously hurts. But Mickey Loomis and the way that they run things in New Orleans, they have a little bit of a better track record in terms of competing in the playoffs and getting close or winning Super Bowls with Drew Brees. So, so you're saying if if you were to Sean Watson, you would choose the Saints. I would choose the Saints. I think uh, the- I probably would too. Again, if I'm Houston, I'd rather trade with Atlanta. If I'm Deshaun Watson, she said, here we go. So I don't know if she saw this report or she heard something else. Mina Kimes a minute ago. Has anyone done a good Matt Ryan Seahawks Photoshop asking for a friend? Oh, I'm sure she just saw the report. Fox NFL. The Falcons are signing running back Damian Harris to a one-year deal. They used a picture of Damian Harris with the Patriots. Yikes. That would be a typo. A great one, but a typo. And with the picture, too. I mean, that's with the, the picture one. with the picture. All right, let's wrap this up. If there's one free agent, Alex, that's out there right now, still who, that, who do you want the Patriots to sign? Who's the one guy that's still out on the market that you would really get excited about if the Patriots sign, not Ty Montgomery, not Terrence Mitchell, right. but somebody who would really make you excited. Oh, I got to think about who's out on the, I remember who's on the market. Um, well, as I learned from my, my, misspeak earlier bobby wagner is still on the market somebody you know thanks to everybody who kind of filled in on that uh i'd like bobby wagner like i i i really talked myself into the idea of al Lazard because yeah. i thought you know green bay wasn't going to tender him i'm not giving him a second round pick to get him i'd still flirt with the idea especially now that you have time montgomery i would still flirt with the idea of like alan Lazard for jacoby myers and i'm not saying i'd do that but i might look at it um, yeah. I'm you got to help me out. I really can't remember who's on the market at this point. We're like four days into this thing. I haven't slept. I'm trying to cover baseball free agency too for the, the sports hub, 98.5, the sports hub.com. Um, so if any free, actually you didn't say, you didn't say a league. You just said, if I could choose any free agent, who would it be? It's Nick yeah. Castellanos to the Red Sox. If oh I could God. choose any free agent right now, Never. it's Nick Castellanos. They need a right-handed bat in the outfield. The dude hits for incredible power. He's a great guy. He's hilarious. Bring me Nick Castellanos. That's where I'm at right now. All right. I'll bring it back to football for you. Okay. I think the one free agent, and they should have traded for the guy, is Leal Collins. 
Yeah, you're probably they, right. I forgot about it. They him. need to bring in Leal Collins. And I, I think the money's going to get silly now. And they're not going to do it just like they did with Allen Robinson. We've been talking about it for the last hour. But I would feel 10 times better about their offensive line next year if Leal Collins is in that mix. Because Leal Collins at right tackle, on Wenu at right guard, Andrews at center. I'll take Win at left tackle, and we can figure out left guard on the way makes me feel a lot more comfortable and you know me i i wanted the wide receiver i've wanted the wide receiver this whole time i would love a wide receiver at the top of the draft but i am still at my roots an offensive line guy and i will say that at this point offensive line is a bigger need than wide receiver is for this team and they can add whatever wide receiver they can add chris Olave, jameson williams whoever your favorite wide receiver is in the draft if they can't protect Mac Jones, he's not going to be able to get him the football. So Leal Collins is a signing I would make. I would then out, go out and look for outside receiver help, potentially maybe add another guy there. But I'm I'm really in on this offensive line thing. I, they they got to figure out the line. And I, I wouldn't be so hell-bent. If they want to take a, a guard, not in the first round, but if they want to take a guard at some point in the middle rounds and they think that that guy can start for them as a rookie, then I believe him. Right. They've they've done a good job of identifying, especially interior offensive linemen that can make an impact right away. So give me Lael Collins. You have one spot to fill at that point on the offensive line. Things feel a whole lot better on offense than what it did uh, before uh, they signed a guy like Collins. But if Andrew Callahan, which I assume he he is, is correct, they are going to be out on Lael Collins. And Alex and I are going to mostly turn the page next week to the draft. We will obviously still continue to update you and discuss Patriots news as it pertains to free agency and trades and things like that. If there's a big move coming, we'll talk about it here. We hope there is just for our sake. It's more entertaining than talking to you guys about time. Honestly, even if there's not, unless we do a show tomorrow and there's big news, we're doing mock drafts next week. I'm excited either way. I'm ready to dig in PFF. They got the picks, right? They put kickers and punters in there. I'm ready to roll. Uh, Let's those were the best shows last year. I'm ready to roll. And I, we need ideas from, we need ideas from you guys too, by the way. Like I would think the first mock we do is just going to be straight up. Right. But then like, what happens if you trade up? What happens if you trade down? Like, you know, we want to do different situations. We don't want to do the same mock over and over. So you guys need to give us some ideas. Yeah. I'm with that. It's going to be a lot of fun mock drafts next week. Look, a part of me wants to say like we should already be doing mock drafts because the Patriots are clearly onto the draft. Like they, they clearly don't care about free agency this year. They're clearly already paying attention to the draft. So we'll be paying attention to the draft next week as well. It's going to be a lot of fun live mock draft simulators right here on Patriots beat. We'll talk about all the permutations and all the possibilities and all the players, the Patriots could draft. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. We had a lot of fun with those last year. So we'll do them again every week uh, in the lead up to the draft. And this is really free agency is fun. We like it here, but the draft is really where we have our most fun. So, so we're going to get started on those next week. It'll be a whole lot of fun for us. So a lot of fun for you guys, hopefully as well, but thanks so much for watching all of our free agency pods again tomorrow. If they pop up with a big move or even a couple little ones or something like that, that we have stuff to talk about, we'll hop back on the pod tomorrow afternoon and discuss it. But for now, we'll most likely be signing off until next week when we start to turn the page towards the draft. So thanks everybody for watching us this week. We had great numbers, great turnout. Uh, We really appreciate all of you guys for following along during free agency. I wish that it was a little bit more exciting and there were some more fireworks that we could discuss, but Hopefully those things are still to come. And until next week, signing off for Alex Barth, I'm Evan Lazar. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you then.